Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. A mixed picture for stocks. We've got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close on this Thursday. S&P down a point, little changed at 2464, a drop there of less than one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down 36, a decline of two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ up three now, a gain of just about one-tenth of one percent. Tenure up 16, 30 seconds, the yield 2.05 percent. Gold up $15 the ounce to 13.50, up 1.1 percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil down eight cents a barrel, 49.08, down two-tenths of one percent. Should mention that Brent crude is up five-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you so much. Charlie Pellet, we have been uh, looking at a number of stocks. We've been talking about Boeing in particular in the past few weeks, uh, given the fact that United Technologies uh, did their acquisition and uh, Boeing didn't seem that happy with it. Uh, one person who is buying Boeing and who has some offer, uh, who has some insights on large cap stocks is Jason Hans. He's co-portfolio manager at BMO Large Cap Growth Fund in Chicago. He joins us now. Jason, uh, you know, you've been talking about how there are opportunities within the large cap stock markets, and you did pinpoint Boeing in particular. I want to home in on that in particular just because of the news with United Technologies and some of the back and forth. Does that change the backdrop for you at all with Boeing and your uh, your like of it? Uh, well, good afternoon, uh, Lisa. Um, no, we'd say in in the, the grand scheme of things, the, that pushback doesn't change our opinion on Boeing. You know, Boeing has been uh, focusing increasingly on keeping expenses under control, cost reduction to hit their margin uh, margin targets that they have going forward. And we don't think that long-term this changes that uh, that story at all. Uh, Boeing's really been focused on, after, you know, coming out of the uh, some of the cost overruns on the 787, really focusing on, on generating as much cash for investors as, as they can, and they've been doing a great job at that. We don't think that changes here in the long term. I want to uh, pinpoint another share that you identified as having potential value, Align Technology Designs. Um, this uh, rings a bell to, to me from riding in the subway in New York City because I see the advertisements for Invisalign system and how that can uh, remove uh, the, any kind of inconsistencies in your teeth without needing braces. Why do you like this company? Yeah, so uh, Invisalign, you know, the, the market as a whole right now is, is really just looking for growth where they can find it in the at the point of the cycle where we are secular growth is really being rewarded by investors and you can't find many companies that have a stronger secular growth runway than align right now so align what we like about them uh is primarily again that that growth run uh rate that they have in front of them and where that's really coming from is if you've been following align through throughout their their history they've mainly been targeting the more mature market people like me who never had braces as a child and, and now might want them later in life where they've had been had very low penetration in the traditional teen market and so teens make up roughly 75 percent of the overall orthodontics market they've got a, about a five percent penetration in that market and that market continually replenishes itself every year and so we really like the long-term uh, prospects they have to 
continue to grow their share in that traditional teen market and really uh, continue to to generate strong uh, sales and earnings growth going forward. You know, Jason, we're talking about these specific stocks, and uh, some people have said that this year is a good year for stock pickers because there is more dispersion among the winners and the losers. Uh, At the same time, there still has been difficulty materially outperforming and reliably uh, based on uh, based on just broad index strategies. How do you go about finding individuals and uh, how much pressure do you feel as an active manager of stocks right now? Uh, yes, it, well, it's been a rough, uh, a rough environment for a lot of active managers over the past several years, not just this year. Um, we've, uh, uh, happily for our clients, been able to add value over the past five years, um, particularly within our growth strategy as well. Um, and so, we do think we do see some of the pressures um, uh, on active management in, in general um, starting to wane. And, and as you mentioned, we think decreasing stock correlations is one of the key metrics that uh, that we look at when when we try to determine if it's going to be a good or a positive or, or more challenging environment for active managers. What we've seen recently, we um, looking at uh, roll, uh, average stock correlations, uh, looking back at, uh, say, a six-month rolling period, we're back down to levels that we haven't seen since pre-financial crisis. You know, during the crisis and then afterwards, we've seen those uh, stock correlations at elevated levels. We're back down to uh, to levels on that we haven't seen since uh, before 2007, which we think is a very good sign for stock pickers. And you can see that even just kind of thinking about uh, sector returns that we've seen this year where you have yeah. The tech sector up 25% or so. You have energy down almost 20% for the year now. So you're seeing that play out kind of with the themes in the market, but you're seeing it at the stock level as well. And so we do think uh, there are opportunities there. Now, what, yeah. we, uh, what we do believe is focusing at this point, though, on – specifically on high-quality fundamentals and not overpaying for those fundamentals because where we are in the market cycle right now and with a lot of these growth stocks is, you know, valuations are starting to get rich. So we are we want to see high-quality, but we don't want to overpay for it. Jason Hans, thank you so much for joining uh, joining this show. Uh, Jason Hans is co-portfolio manager of BMO Large Cap Growth Fund, which is based in Chicago. Bloomberg Markets brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategists may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors. Prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. news that crossed the Bloomberg uh, just now. The White House is said to be considering at least six people to replace uh, Fed Chair Janet Yellen uh, as uh, as Fed Chair in next March when her term expires, actually in February when her term expires. Craig Torres joins us now. He covers the Federal Reserve for Bloomberg News, and he comes to us from Washington, D.C. Craig, who are some of the people that uh, the president is currently considering? Well, we have a list of um, the usual suspects, let's call them. And, uh, of course, the president has mentioned that Chair Janet Yellen is in the running herself. But there's also some names that maybe people haven't heard of, like Richard Davis, um, who used to run, be the chief executive officer of U.S. Bank Corp. Uh, people I know who know Davis say he'd be an excellent choice. Um, strong leadership. Um, also, John Allison, uh, former CEO of BB&T Corp., another big regional bank. 
uh, Glenn Hubbard, the dean of Stanford, I mean of uh, Columbia Business School, and former Governor Kevin Warsh, uh, John Taylor of Stanford, and Lawrence Lindsay, uh, former economic advisor to uh, George Bush. Is there something uh, that we can draw from this selection of names and the process that you're hearing uh, that the administration is undergoing? How involved is President Trump? And do you have a sense of who is in charge of identifying a potential uh, next Fed chair? It's a good question. The people in charge, uh, you know, doing the search are kind of what I would call conservative economist types. Um they're looking for people uh, who will be less prone to highly discretionary moves, less expansive than Bernanke was during the recession. Uh, we can look at two of their picks already, uh, Randall Quarles, who's going to be the vice chair of supervision, you know, uh, open to sort of fine-tuning the regulation into ways that lead to more lending perhaps. And Marvin Goodfriend, a guy, an economist at Carnegie Mellon, who's definitely into brighter, stronger lines about what the Fed should and shouldn't do. Yeah. Uh, Craig Torres, thank you so much for joining us and for your uh, terrific reporting. Please keep us posted as we hear more. Uh, interesting to hear that conservative uh, economists are looking at the next Fed chair. What will that mean about the assumption that this will be a low-rate Fed chair? Craig Torres is a Bloomberg Federal Reserve reporter who is based in Washington, D.C. This is Bloomberg.